Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess Podcast. I am in absolute awe of the person we have on the podcast today. I'm a massive fan and I'm a proper fanboy. Um, the man on the podcast today, he's an ultra marathon runner, having won a 200 mile race. That's that's nearly 320 kilometers. That's eight marathons in one go. Insane. He's also a very keen camper, having camped around Ireland for most of the summer. As well as that, he is an absolute black belt when it comes to mental health awareness. And he's an absolute gent. I want to introduce me, good pal, Connor O'Keefe, to the podcast. Connor, how are you doing, man? Cheers, Colin, man. Thanks for having me on this morning, man. Come here, I have to ask, man. Like, 200 mile. Like, what, what was going through your head for that last mile? Like, what did that feel like? Oh, Jesus, man. The last mile, like... Well, to explain to people what, uh, about the race a bit, just, just to kind of give them an idea of how mind-numbing and monotonous it was, right? It was a looped course, right? And that happens quite a lot in ultramarathons, but the loops are usually like 20-odd miles or whatever, you know what I mean? This was mm-hmm. a 1.1 mile loop. So I did it 182 times. Okay. So, I go around 181 times and I have to go around one more time. Now, I'm telling you, man, the last the the last three miles before I did my last loop were like, I don't remember those. And I, I can't for life of me, like my, my, my father was there helping me to try and, you know, get me through those those last kind of loops. I, I couldn't I couldn't even stop running. But you know what's actually it's so funny. I couldn't even stop to take a piss, right? <laughs> in those last three, uh, three loops, because my body, my mind thought I was still running when I was stopped. So the the ground would continue to move underneath me in my mind's eye. So I fall, yeah. I'd know, I'd have no balance. I just fall over. My my father have to catch me. So what I had to start doing was actually like going for a pee on the go, like, you know, with this out down the side of the shorts, whipping it out down the side of the shorts, <laughs> like, on the go, like, you know. It was brutal, man, like, because it was, it was over two and a half days, and I only had a half an hour sleep. So yeah. I was in, like, serious sleep deprivation. Like, I, like, you can go into psychosis after 72 hours of not sleeping. Like, I had been up around 69 hours at that stage, really, and I had been running for the whole duration. So that might have sped up things a bit. Because, like, I was definitely in an element of psychosis at that time. Like, I was seeing things, like, mad, mad shit, like, you know. And yeah. then the last, when I came around for the last loop, man, it was like, 
there's a chip scanner that you step on in around every mile and it scans like how many loops you've done and when i hit that and i took the step over the first step that was the 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 start the beginning point of my last loop man it was like somebody just dipped me it was like john the baptist by grabbed me <laughs> under the water and i came out reborn man i was like absolutely and i'm not a religious man but that's the best way i can put it and oh, i just literally man i just i was reborn like i didn't have any pains or aches or anything like all of the cloudiness in my brain just left and i just absolutely you know i just i just completely and utterly fell into this you know we are we're 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 gonna finish this we're gonna finish this thing that we started and like man to be honest with you call man i had no fucking idea that i was going to be able to finish this thing i like i had only four months of training done for it like everybody else that was like there was only five other people in the race <laughs> and, like, like all of them had dropped out like you know a day ago like 24 hours before i'd finished they had already packed it in and so i i was out there on my own and i'm like you know, all these lads are ultra marathon runners like that were like had multiple races on their hands. So to be honest with you, man, I really didn't think I was going to be able to finish that thing. Like, you know, and that's kind of a, a like a thing that has stood with me that like, fuck it. Sometimes I don't believe that these things are going to be able to be done. But like, it's literally my mind can go over that level. So there's a level of me that thinks, Jesus, Connor, like you'd be lucky to finish this thing. And then there's. A, a level that kind of goes no like we're just gonna fucking we're just gonna give it everything and we'll see what happens with it like and it just it seems to work i love that man that's that's powerful and like when you think of like getting fit for like a race or something like that like i'd say 20 percent of it maybe more is like physical but how do you train your brain power like how do you stop that inner kind of voice that's begging you to stop and just knocking on the head or you're not good enough or just give up like how do you overcome that oh man like like the background of me in ultra endurance sports is like if a baptism of fire is like putting it very lightly like or like people usually run marathon like for a good while before they think jesus you know what i'd love to do an ultra I did one marathon, right? And I said, you know what? I'm going to run 100 miles. And that's that's how like my introduction into this whole thing happened. So, like, I had no... Like, a lot of people, the way they build belief in themselves, and, and it, this is me included as well, a lot, of, a lot of us, I should say, build belief in ourselves through evidence, right? So we give ourselves evidence throughout the day, days and throughout the things that we do. Like if you're training for a marathon and you run a 30, 35 kilometer run before the marathon, that's evidence that you can run 35 kilometers. It's only seven more K to finish the marathon. You'll be able to settle it in your head that you'll finish, you know. And I never really gave myself the opportunity to gain that evidence, to gain that belief. Like I ran a marathon and then. A couple of weeks later, I was sitting down with my friend Mark, and we were sitting down in um in a in a restaurant having a bit of having a bit of lunch, and we were eating. And I was here, man. John, we should do. We should run a hundred miles. We should see if there's a hundred mile race in Ireland, and we should run it. And he goes, 
he, I goes, check it out there, check it out. My phone was dead at the time. And I goes, you check it out there on your phone. And he checked it out. And he said, there's one here, uh, the Connemara 100. And I was like, oh, cool. And he goes, ah, nah, it's on in seven weeks' time. And I goes, book it, book it. Because if we don't do it now, we'll say, oh, we'll do it next year. And we won't bother fucking doing it at all. So we booked it right there and then, man. And seven weeks later, we showed up at the Connemara 100, boy. And I can't even understate how little business we had being there like as in like everybody else was like in there they already had t-shirts from other ultra marathons that they had run they were all in the top gear and everything and they all had all their business all taken care of i had an rsa um like um high-vis jacket on me that was way too big for me because i you know i didn't have a proper running high-vis even like you know I was, and that is what gave me, that race is what gave me the foundations of everything that you see happening in my ultra endurance life now. Because I was entering that with absolutely no expectation, first of all, and no real, no evidence that I was going to be able to do it. So I remember um, at mile 55, in that 100-mile race, I remember coming to the checkpoint at mile 55. And um, Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a moment in my ultra-endurance life that I just will never forget. Like, I got in there. My heart was fucking broken, man. I was in pieces. I've never been in that kind of a pain before in my life. Like, I had never ran more than a marathon. And I was just about to come up. I was seven miles away from running 100 kilometers. You know, my first ever time hitting triple figures on a run. And my my legs were destroyed, like destroyed. I, I had no idea how I was going to be able to keep going. Like, you know, I remember sitting down in the car. It was pissing rain. And um, my crew had bought me a, they bought me a Supermax. They bought me a Supermax. <laughs> Supermax. That's all you need, man. Oh man, it was absolutely the best thing ever. I had a, I had a box. Shout out to Supermax. Um, <laughs> meal helped me finish hundred miles, but basically, I had to refocus and reform my mind at that right there in that moment in time, and kind of ask myself, "What the fuck are you doing here, boy? You know, are you here to run fifty-five miles, or are you here to finish this fucking thing out and finish a hundred miles?" And I asked myself that question and I just started putting one foot in front of the other. And that was it, man. From the very beginning, me and my buddy, Mark, who was running it as well, who's another ultra marathon runner, an absolute beast as well. He's a really, really, really talented guy. And he he starts go heading off and I ha- start heading off. And from the start, we had said to each other, there's only two things that are going to get us across that finish line. Time and putting one foot in front of the other within that time. And that's it. That is the only thing. If you break it down to the very, very simplest of forms, that's exactly what was going to happen. And then, do you know what? We went, we, I, I ended up walking a lot of that 45 miles because my knee was just like a fucking grapefruit. It didn't even look like a knee anymore. I couldn't put any pressure on it. And I limped my way to, to the finish. And that, I, I, after I finished that race, man, I actually had my four months after that from August to December, I had the four months of my deepest and biggest drinking. Um, after that, 
because I had never sat with the reasons why I was actually doing that race. After that finished that race, I sat with the I sat with the success of it, and I sat with oh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I did seven weeks training and I finished a hundred fucking miles. I can do whatever I want, and I had that fucking mindset, and I ended up drinking more than I probably ever have in my fucking entire life. I'd say in that four month period from the 11th of August to the 31st of December. And it was that January in the first couple of days of January that I was kind of, that I was presented with this option of the 200 mile race. And uh, that was when shit really started to happen in the endurance world for me. And that was, that was what I thought about when I, when I thought back on my hundred mile run, when I, when I was presented with this 200 mile run, I said to myself, well, look, it's probably four months isn't enough time to train a body to run 200 miles, but it might be just enough time to train a mind to run 200 miles. So I started training my mind from there. And that was, that was, again, that was what took over when my body started to fail in the 200 miles. That's, that's powerful, man. You know, that's true. And I love what you said there about the, the evidence. You had no evidence to back up to back up what you wanted to do and you can apply that to so many different things in your life even that inner critic you know that we have that oh, I'm not I'm not going to be any good at this job or I'm not going to be any good at this college course or whatever I and mean, we're listening to our heads and it's like but I haven't got any evidence to back up this this thought process or this core belief that I have Absolutely. you know what I mean you know I'm like I as I was saying to you, like I'm, I'm, I'm starting my own podcast, and we're throwing around names at the moment of what my podcast is going to be. And one of them that I, that I, that I picked up is because I use the term all the time, and I say the word all the time, is flip the script, right? And I, I always say the word. You should stick call it stick a cork in it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Stick a cork in it. That's class. Oh yeah, so you're you're saying like just about the the, the yeah. evidence that like like oh, I heard a I heard a like a metaphor for uh, for fear is future uh, future events appearing real or false evidence appearing real, and you said like you had no evidence to kind of back up. Uh, the case you can do that but and we we're just saying look it's a lot of time it's about our thought processes about certain things that we're listening to our inner inner thoughts or inner dialogue and we just know evidence to back it up and it's sometimes it's just to go and do it and not listen Absolutely. to the head no as I said yeah. I was saying there like you know I was thinking about the the podcast name as flip the script is because I'm I'm flipping the script every day with like with the smallest of things and you know it's it's kind of one of those things where um like things that i've learned in ultra endurance are just are what i transfer into my everyday life and vice versa and a lot of the times man we can talk ourselves out of things way before we even set foot it's like we're talking ourselves out of playing a football match and we haven't even went into the dressing room you know we're literally, we're talking yeah. ourselves out of it before we ever get a chance to live it. And like, I, I, I'll tell you exactly, I'm not here preaching, saying that I have everything figured out because I've had to face this shit myself. And like, I, I recently, um, I'm, I'm doing a master's, I'm starting a master's in two weeks time in applied psychology. And yeah. I was 
part talking myself out of it. And it was so weird when I think back at my thought process throughout that whole thing. I was so excited about the prospect of having this master's and doing this master's, right? And I was doing all my, filling out my application as best and as diligently as I possibly could, doing my interviews, presenting myself in the best possible way, getting all the references and everything needed for the course, right? And as soon as I got the course, as soon as the fucking fish leaped out of the water and into my boat, I, I nearly shat the bed. I literally was like, oh, Jesus, no, it's real. No, it's real. No, the shit that you said that you wanted to do and the, and the person that you wanted to be is coming to your door. And that's scary, man, because then it's then it's it's, you know, it's put up or shut up. Then it's like, OK, now the things that you actually wanted to do are coming to fruition. You actually have to be able to accept that those things are happening because. As I said, man, like we can talk ourselves out of things that may be beautiful and wonderful in our lives. And we have, we'll, we'll have no idea if these things can actually ever happen because we never give them the light of day. Whereas if I'm talking to people here and I'm saying to people like, OK, this is what I have taken out of ultra marathons. I've thought I've taken that. There's a lot of the time in ultra marathons that you will actually think. Do you know what? I actually don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And you won't be you won't be able to back up that belief with evidence because I'm like, I'd have never ran 200 miles before. I never know. You have to sometimes you have to go out of that. Like when I hit the 101 mile mark in that 100 mile race, I was in unknown waters. You know, sometimes you have to paw through the night and try and figure out things you know without the head torch on like absolutely blind to your own ability and that's sometimes when the most beautiful and wonderful discoveries about yourself can happen and that's what happened in the 200 miles i didn't actually believe i didn't know for certain i didn't have any evidence that i was going to finish it but when i when i got to the point where it was it was that that hundred and one mile mark that unknown zone. I just kind of said, let's just see how it goes. Let's not talk ourselves out of it anyway. Let's let's not talk ourselves into it because we don't know for certain yet. But let's not talk ourselves out of it. Let's just see how this goes. And sometimes, man, letting go of that and letting go of fear, like letting go of fear of failure, letting go of fear of you know coming to that one hundred and eighty miles and and falling short. You know, like. You're like, oh, yeah, fail early. Fail early if you're going to fail. No, fail as fucking late as you can. Because that's when the serious life lessons are going to happen. I failed right at the fucking bottom, right at the very, very finish line of shit. Like, and I mean, down to, like, I can actually nearly taste the fucking um, finish line tape. Like, like I... I I, I, I trained in, in Muay Thai for years and I fought for years. I fought all the way up through the ranks of the Irish Thai boxing scene at the time and got my chance at fighting for an Irish title, got the, the, the title fight, fought all the way to the last minute of the last round and was knocked unconscious. And, you know, people would say, Jesus, wouldn't it be kind of better if, uh, you know, if... if um these things that happened earlier whatever the case may be i failed at the very very end but you know what that means it was like a college course i had gotten all of the information i just didn't pass the test and that's the thing you know like get get 
you know, allow yourself to enter those unknown waters and that that uncomfortable zone. Get out of the comfort zone. And Jesus Christ, man, you can see certain things that you will never, ever believe that you'd have been able to do. They'll start happening. That man, that that's powerful. Like, and there's so much wisdom in that. You know, to step outside of the comfort zone, to lean into that fear, to feel that. You know, to feel that fear of rejection, or to feel that fear of judgment, or fear of failure, and do it anyway. You know, there's there's, there's so much to be gained in that. You know what I mean? To step out of that box of comfortability. 100%. Like, you know, you 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 and, know, the same as myself, and, like. Yeah, and like, did you say when, like, when you done the two hundred mile marathon, did you get this sense of shit? This is like this is my call, and this is what I'm made to do. Did you like you went from the toy boxing and then got into the running, and did you get this sense of okay, well, this this might be what I'm meant to do here? Like, um, do you know what actually happened, right? And it was like it was something that was different to any other time, and it was because in that. By the time I had gotten to the 200 mile race column, right, it wasn't even about the race for me anymore because the work I had done in the four months of training, like it really wasn't at all even like it wasn't like a physical or mental preparation for that race. It was physical and mental preparation for life. I started to talk to myself differently. I started to treat myself differently. I started to look at myself differently. So I started to like, be my own best friend. I had made that promise to myself on the 1st of January of 2019 that I was going to be my own best friend and I was going to see whatever great things that could come out of me. I knew that there was great things inside me and there's great things inside of every single one of us. I wanted to see that great, that great fucking dude. I wanted to see him come out and walk around for a bit, see what he could do. And see what type of life he could bring to himself and to the people around him. And by the time I had reached the 200 mile race, man, it actually, it was for the first time in my life that an external event didn't actually, I, my, my happiness didn't hinge on that. It didn't hinge on whether I was going to finish or whether I ran 100 miles or whether I ran 80 miles and I couldn't finish the 200 it didn't hinge on that anymore because I already believed that I was a great person and that I was that I was capable of great things. I already had that belief about myself going in for the first time in my whole life. I had never felt like that before. I'd always felt like I would be great if I won an Irish title. I would be great if I won these fights. I would be great if I finished this marathon. I would be great if I finished this 100 mile race. But I felt like, Jesus, Connor, you're a great, wonderful, worthwhile person without finishing this race or, or especially without winning this race because I never even thought of that. And so when I finished up the race, I thought to myself, OK, well, if we can think of, if we're thinking about ourselves in this way and we can do these things, Jesus Christ, the, the, the sky is the limit. Like we are literally on the very cusp of what can happen like i i felt like at that moment in time that my life was going to get a lot more exciting <laughs> from there and my life was going to my life was going to be a lot more exciting but it was also going to take a lot a lot more effort from me and 
that's why you know the days that I go that I go to bed and my body is tired my head is tired everything is kind of like you know it's it's been it's been tested and it's been this is not like you know going out and running 30 kilometers this is just a day where you know I go out and I live my life as productively as possible and I put that effort into doing things that means no cleaning up my bedroom cleaning up my car making sure my car is taxed and getting all that kind of stuff sorted out what getting the dog is walk for the day so that he you know see he gets his exercise all of these little everyday things those are the things that bring me so much joy is putting that effort into my life man because you know when i started to kind of you know feel like there was some sort of a mathematical equation that the more effort you put in the better um results you get out of your life and that's that when i when i finished up that race i said okay well we're just going to make sure that we're just going to continue to be our own best friend because i don't really believe in paths anymore i believe that there was paths or tracks you know people say oh i fell off track with that or i fell off the path or ah oh, jesus no I, I i was doing all good no blah blah but then i i fell off track i don't fucking believe in tracks anymore because life isn't a track or a path it's a fucking bogland, and it has fucking out of out of nowhere you'll be entering a forest and then you'll be going uphill and then there'll be a mudslide and then there'll be whatever the fuck you want to do it is not a path because life is fucked up and random and it will be random until the day we die so if we think about life being a path and oh yeah i was on i was doing well with my fitness and but then i fell off track no you weren't on a fucking track you were just living your life in that kind of slightly more better way that in terms of where you wanted to go with it but you don't fall off track you just take a different approach to your days and that to me is one of the best things to learn about keeping things going is to know that you're not on a track that like you can literally decide at any minute of the fucking day that you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do so if you want to lose weight or you want to join a course or learn a language or pick up an instrument and you haven't done it in a long time the first thing you have to do is just do five minutes of whatever you wanted to do and then you're you're back into that mind frame there's no path there's no track because if you think about it as a track you think oh i'm after falling off track i'm after going back i'm after going backwards and i'm i'm after you know i i i've taken you know i've completely taken the foot off the pedal when in reality life is just so fucking random and so weird and it doesn't really give a shit about you or your feelings or whatever the fuck you want to do it will continue on the way it goes anyway if you think about that and you think about life in that kind of a a a way where it's like you literally create your own map there's no paths and there's no tracks it fucking gives you an awful lot of freedom because if you are on a track or you're on a pathway then there is something to lose whereas if you're just living your life and you want to live it in the best possible way whether you've wanted to lose weight and you've eaten like shite for the last three weeks all you have to do is just make that decision that yeah Joe, you know actually today i'm just going to eat better and that that's not a track there's no you're not back on track because then there's something to lose and there's something that, uh, out there that there's something that you've you know actually physically manifested in your mind that doesn't actually exist you all you have to do is be your own best friend in any given moment in time what would you do if your own if you were given 
your your best friend's body and mind for a week, what way would you treat it? You'd probably you'd probably do meditation. You know what I mean? You'd probably feed it the best food. You'd probably make sure they were out having a walk every day and getting their exercise and getting their fresh air. But you know why? Because you care about them. But we need to care about ourselves in that kind of way. And we need to take ourselves off this track and path. We just need to start living every day as we are our own best friends. And when I started to do that after the 200 mile race, it just led to more more parts of my life that, that just seemed to... Um, I suppose breed success. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And it's it's a great way of looking at your goals and how to develop like a healthy relationship with with, with some targets that you have. Because sometimes people can identify with like with what their goals are. Like their 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 view of their own self worth depends on them achieving this goal or looking a certain way or being a certain way or getting a certain degree you know what I mean that I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough unless I do this and we can be too damn hard on ourselves like you know what I mean? and you talked about it with the doing the, the, the doing the marathon that you're you're still good enough regardless if you get this marathon or not you know and look like, I, I, I started the ultra marathon and I like I remember when I, I done a marathon I done a, few, a marathon there a few months ago and raised money for Pieta House. And I remember this buzz I was getting and I was so driven and I was just aiming on when as soon as I get this marathon, I cannot wait. And I was just out training most days and buzzing for it. And then I remember as soon as I got it, I was just sitting the day like, there was a bit of a party and then that night just sitting alone thinking right now what you know and I got this mad feeling this anti-climax I just felt really low and it was because this was my target this was my thing and now without that there I was just like right now I'm left with me so I had to say right, what was my main motivation was this becoming a coping mechanism or me looking for a, a kind of a way of getting self-worth Look, and, and you know what I mean, and and it was a great realization and how I developed a healthy relationship with my goals. That whether I get them or not, it's the fact that I made an honest effort to do them, and I'm good enough whether I achieve them or not. I'm I'm still a worthy person, Absolutely, you know. Man. Like I, I definitely feel like I had an unhealthy relationship with with goal orientation and with uh with 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 um you know my the results of events um and that's that that came from my, like. That probably came from when I was a, a, a little boy, like, you know what I mean? All the way up through my life and into my, you know, my uh, my foray into Thai boxing for that six or seven years. And all of these things, they were all event-based and they were all like this goal and that goal and all these kind of things. But, and even the marathon and even the first hundred mile race I've I, I done, it was all hinging on this, on, on them finishing and me having success in that and exactly what you said man like I remember I claimed Kilimanjaro when I was 17 and I claimed it with a charity and I came back home man and like this beautiful wonderful cultural experience that I had just had as a 17 year old boy and this experience of you know standing on top of Africa on the top of Kilimanjaro and Uhuru Peak and coming back then to being a leaving cert student I'm like, no, this is not the way it was meant to be. Like, you know, this is not the way it was meant to happen. And so I, I, I remember that hollowness and that, 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 you know, I suppose anticlimactic. And I'm like, 
man, like you don't, you, if you, if you view your life as these events and these goals, and even though I've got the loftiest goals in my head, I feel like regardless of what happens, like nothing in my mind is a failure now because like even I've got the project 32 run coming up next year, the 32 marathons, right? That is going to be a fantastic experience. And if I like, if for any reason I I don't finish all thirty two of those marathons, right? You're not going to see me, you know, kicking myself. You're not going to see me giving myself a hard time, and you're not going to see me self boohooing myself because it comes back to the foundation of this best friend ideology, right? And the thing is, is I'm going to be I'm going to be accountable to my own life and I'm going to be accountable and I'll be honest with myself on the reasons why certain things don't pan out the way that I want them to be. And that gives you great power by not blaming anybody else and taking the ownership for your own goals and for your own life. And that's one of the biggest things that I've taken over the last two years is I'm not, I'm not looking outwards. I'm looking inwards and that's for my successes and my failures. And that gives you an awful lot of power because nobody else is to, you know, there's no one else who has any control. As soon as you start blaming somebody, they haven't, they have, they've taken a bit of control on the thought process behind that. So I, I, I take accountability. I have compassion as well. So when I realize that I should have, I shouldn't have done this thing or that thing, or the reason why I didn't succeed is because of this. I have the compassion to myself to go, well, Connor, look, you're human, man, and you'll make mistakes. And you'll make errors, but you have to be able to learn from them and move forward from them. And the last thing is, is gratitude. So I'm grateful, uh, Colm, that I have the opportunity to even think about doing something like this and have the opportunity to lace up my runners and pit myself against myself and see what happens. And that's the thing about most of these things. And everybody can say they're sure about this. They're sure about that. I'm sure if you ask Conor McGregor about his fight with Khabib, he was sure that he was going to beat him and it didn't turn out that way for him. But you can be as sure as you want about these things. But sometimes you just have to, you have to be willing to go into that unknown zone, that unknown waters, these uncharted waters and see what actually happens and be grateful that you have the opportunity to get into those waters because there's people that will live and die and they'll never allow themselves to risk finding out what's really inside them. And it's, it's, it's very, very sad. But I think a lot of people are open these days to figuring out that the world is, you know, is more than what we think it is, you know. And uh, when I have that, man, when I have those things in place and, I, and I, I use them on a daily basis, this isn't just, you know, for running marathons or running ultras. I use them on a daily basis to keep myself in check about things that happen. And and to and to allow myself to navigate through things and to have better, a better awareness about myself and a better awareness about the feelings I've had about things, and um, man, like if you if you have that in place, it doesn't matter about what what goals you have in your life or whatever the case may be. You will be able to take them as they come, and you'll be able to learn from them. You'll be able to break them down, and you'll be able to actually make sense of them. And they won't eat you away. They'll just be part of your life. Yeah, that that's beautiful, man. That is absolutely beautiful. And you you said so much there, you know. Um, like you, you talked about gratitude as well, and gratitude is is number one for me. You know, it's one of me 
one of my main coping mechanisms would be gratitude, you know, to be, as you said, to be healthy enough and fit enough to be able to just get up and go for a two-kilometre run or a five-kilometre run or, what, or even to go for a walk, that we take these simple things for granted. And even over the lockdown when it was at the, I think, when it was like the two-kilometre uh, radius and, you know, how, how, mu- how much we took for granted the simple things you know, being able to get out in nature and and do these do these simple things, like you know, what I'm starting to notice now, which is, which is beautiful, is the amount of people I see getting there, indulging in the staycations or exercising in their local neighbourhood. I live beside the sea, and I know that this time last year getting in the sea, there wasn't half as many people getting in the sea, and people are saying utilise. You know, they're catering for their their genuine needs rather than their artificial needs. You know, that they're getting wrapped up in the, in the beautiful natural remedies that are available to us. And to just be able to be grateful for these things. You can't see my face now, but there's a big smile after cracking in my face there now, even listening to you talk about it in that way, because it's so wonderful. Like It's wonderful that people have allowed themselves to have that freedom. And, and, I, and people are like, freedom? We can't leave the country. Yeah, no. Freedom to move out of that, to... to to see past that and to change their plans and to change their outlook of what their summer thought they, th- they thought their summer was going to be because there's an awful lot of, of times in, in my life as, as well as everybody else's where if things don't go to plan, you, you kind of don't want a plan B, you know what I'm saying? You're not open to the plan B part of life. And, if I wasn't open to the plan P part of life, I would have never have done that camping trip around Ireland because it was actually booked to fly to go to Lisbon and run from Lisbon up to Spain, across Spain and into France. And that was what I was, what I was um, due to do. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't fly out, obviously, to, to, to Lisbon because of the restrictions. I wanted to respect the restrictions and respect um, my, my I like was respect my family respect my friends that i wouldn't be going out there and coming back and and bringing anything back so that allowed me to think about things in a different way it was like okay i'm standing at the picture of my summer the painting of what my summer was looking like and i'm taking a slight step to the right and i'm looking at it from a different angle and i go okay well you've always wanted to know more about your country you've always had this kind of want and desire to to travel around Ireland, let's do it. And holy shit, man. Like I never, I never thought that my trip was going to be what it was like. I'm after reconnecting with the Gaelgor uh, in me, like Vieshagum, Vieshagum, Temple Natira. I got to use my, my Irish all over the country. I got to, um, see different parts of the country that I'd never seen before, but not even see them, but feel them. Like, I remember going to Inishir, um on my way to Inishmore, right? And I literally got off the boat and I had these grand designs of, um, like, walking all over the, the island and for the three or four hours that I was stopped over there and all that kind of stuff, I had plans to walk all over the island and discover it and all this kind of stuff. Do you know what I did? I walked off the pier I sat down on the beach and I just sat there, man, for like two hours. And I just felt like the heartbeat of the island. And it was so weird to like, it's so weird to talk about these things in that way. But I just felt like I, this wasn't, you know, it wasn't made for me to go around and do that. It was just made for me to discover this in a different way. 
And I just wanted to really just sit down and almost meld myself. It's like, have you ever had a dog laying on your lap and you've got their heartbeat like beating into yours and there's there's some some way it kind of melds together that both of you have the same kind of heart rhythms it was like that happened to me with this island with this lump of rock you know what I mean and it was very very strange that I would never have had that level of connection with anywhere else in my life but I suppose it's the roots that I had as an Irish man going around my country and rediscovering who she was like I never would have had that opportunity if I wasn't if I wasn't able to look at the plan B and accept it and really sit into plan D and think okay this is it this is what we're going to do I would have never if I was stuck on plan A and about that I'd have just boohooed myself into oh poor me I can never I can't leave the country and all this kind of stuff but no People everywhere are looking at their situation and making the making their best possible version of that happen for themselves. And that's a wonderful thing because that's freedom. That's freedom of thought and freedom of, of who they are as well. And that, that's, that's beautiful. And just as you're saying that, I'm fucking here camping, getting me tent ready and I'm going, going camping. Um, but man, yeah, that's, that's beautiful what you said. You're just synchronizing with... with with the island, like, you know, and I was there, I came to Knackle last week, and just to be, be water, like, I had this big, really, like yourself, I had this big plan in my head, I was going to cycle camp, cycle camp, and I was so driven on my routine and my plan, that I wasn't taking in any of my surroundings, I wasn't present in the moment at all, and then when I actually just stopped and set up the tent, and I was sitting down, and looking at the sunset, and I was like, this is absolutely yeah. bliss. You know, this is what it's all about, you know, to just be present and to take it to nature, to be like Dublin, I suppose there's so many distractions. That's really, it can be hard to find that place of stillness and quietness and calmness, you know, and just going down the country and being able to camp and just connecting with that. I don't know if it's nature or that energy and just synchronizing with the pureness of of, of nature. You know, it's just so healing and therapeutic. It's so yeah, beautiful. When I was doing the trip around, I said, um, and it, it was kind of, I said it and I kind of was like, oh, Jesus, that's actually quite, quite, quite nice. Um, sometimes you don't see anything because you go, get so distracted sightseeing. You know, you don't mm. actually see what is actually there. Like I've, I, I'd go to like see this castle, right? And this is what I, what I would implore everyone to be open to, right? I went to see this castle that was uh, this uh, a fort, sorry, um, that was on Inishmore, and there was the most wonderful tree <laughs> nearby, right? And I saw this tree, and I was like, oh, "Wow!" It was like twisting as it was growing, and I'd never seen a tree like that. And I went up to see the the uh, the, the the fort. The, it was an old. Um, it was an old uh, garrison, British garrison. And I walked around it for a couple of minutes and I was like, I, I, I need to go back to that tree, <laughs> you know? So I went back down to the tree and I parked my bike down there. And I just sat by the tree for a while. And it's like, be open to seeing the things that you don't want to see. Like, you know, the, 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 the sightseeing elements of things can sometimes actually take away from the beauty that's around it. 
you know and it's 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 amazing that those things happen like i went up to Malin Head up in up in Donegal and there's the most if you go if you walk over there there's kind of a boggy patch of ground because there's a spring that runs through and runs down the rock and instead of like walking instead of like looking at the cliffs i was like trying to trace the um path of this spring and how the spring was everybody was walking through the spring and the dry parts of the path were covered in wet footprints and i was like it's absolutely mad that this this little spring is touching everybody that is passing along this way and i was just mesmerized by all the footprints that were in, the wet footprints that were in the dry sand and i was looking at that and i was like everybody probably thinks i'm mental here sitting down looking at this and there's like some of the most amazing cliff edges and and coastline in the country 25 feet away you know but it was i was open to seeing the beautiful side of things that you just i i never would have thought about um only when i opened up my I, i i i from a singular vision to a panoramic view when i looked at things in a different way it was like jesus that's it's it's really really beautiful like that's beautiful, man, and it's it's so true. Like we're, we're, when we kind of can just be present, you know. Like when you go off the beaten track and don't see the thing that you're holding, like the tourist attractions that you go and see, you're so wrapped up in going and seeing the next thing that you never actually, I suppose, embrace uh, your your own surroundings. Yeah, like, you know. But it's, it's amazing what's on our own doorstep. Like I, I was down in Cork uh, for most of the summer down in the Berwick Peninsula. And they, they, sometimes we just we just head out and we were looking for like a sea dip, and we came across these cliffs. Like we went through like private land with the farm. With the, sometimes the farmers would come over. They would say, "Hey, lads, this is private," and we'd be like, "Oh, we're just looking for a sea dip," and just really killed. Sometimes farmers would tell us to yeah. back off, like which was killed, like they were fully entitled to. But we'd go over these farms and, and fields, and next thing we just find all these cliffs, and we were diving off like twenty meter cliffs into the sea. And I've ne- never seen anything like it. It was so beautiful, and it's it's what's on our doorstep. And I I talked I talked to my, my mates have have been of the Thailand, Australia, America, and they've never been out of fucking Dublin though. You know what I mean? They're in the country, like it's which mad, is crazy. It's mad. Like, I I would have been one of them, man. I like I, I, until until kind of now was. I was always looking for adventure overseas and like I'd have been to Scotland climbing, climbing Ben Nevis. I was over to Wales climbing around Snowdonia and Snowdon and, and I, I was over to India, um, Thailand, Vietnam, China, you know, all of these different places looking for this adventure or looking for this beauty. And then when I went around my country, I was actually a bit annoyed in a way because I'm like, why? Like, how is this not plastered all over the world as Ireland is one of the most mystical, beautiful, natural places in the world? Like, how has that happened? How am I 29 years old and only discovering now that my country has... And it's like, you see all these things in these posts and all this kind of stuff, but I want somebody to, like, properly show what the country is all about i would have loved i would love to fucking go all the way around the country again like i did in my with my tent in my bag uh and um and, and travel all over the country and, and visit all of the beautiful people as well that make this country so great and because it's 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 something that every irish person should know and should see is that we have the most beautiful of everything we have 
unbelievable what a coastline as you well know yourself as you were just talking about we have some of the most wonderful mountain ranges and like just because we're they're not as tall as some of the other uh, mountain ranges that you could find in Europe or in North America or you know I suppose like the Himalayas as the as the kind of the the gold star like we don't have that in terms of it's not it's not as 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 breathtaking let's say in terms of our size and in terms of the way that these uh, as as the uh, the 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 limits that they touch the sky but there are parts of the country that you actually you you're there you are claiming in them and if you take the the opportunity to see it you will have some of the most wonderful views like i've been on top of kilimanjaro you can't see shite all from the top of kilimanjaro (laughs) you know you're up so high you can't see anything really you can just see the mountain around it and you can kind of see the vastness of everything around it because it's a dome volcano it's not in a it's not in a mountain range it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world actually there's no real mountains around it it's just a big dome right and it's a fantastically beautiful stupendous mountain but when i go up to the top when i went up to the top of mount of schlieve binion in county down i could see all of the other peaks of the Morn mountains peeking up out of the cloud line and it was one of those emotional moments where I was like I know we're climbing and I know we have to move but I don't want to move I want to stay here and take this in we have that element in Ireland where you get to the top or you're climbing to the top and you will see some of the most beautiful landscapes and beautiful sides to mountains that you've ever seen that's beautiful man look at Man, I'd I'd envy your 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 drive and your action that you take, like with with the Muay Thai, with the ultra marathon running, you know, with with camping around Ireland. You just seem to you get something and you want to do it, and you are you are determined, and you go and you do it, and you get it. Like what what do you what would you say you need to do to develop that sort of drive and action? Man, like um, I suppose it comes from it all stems from that seed that I planted in January of 19, 2019 was of of being my own best friend, right? And I was like, if when when I think about the elements of that and um, the elements of the accountability, the compassion, and the gratitude, that's what actually drives me on the sh- on the shit days on the tough days and like I'm an incredibly positively minded person because I have these things in the forefront of my mind all the time I'm not blindly positive I'm not positive in the face of an absolute shitstorm I'm just able to compartmentalize shitstorms a lot better than I used to and it's like again I'm not looking at my life as a track I'm not looking at my life as a path and that way then I never give myself the opportunity to fall off track and to fall off a path because my life is just whatever I kind of it's I suppose it's like the sunrise hits the hits the landscape and it it puts its eyes on the landscape in the morning and when when the sun rises over the mountains and that's what I'm I suppose doing in my life is I'm putting my eyes on different horizons and I am I am meandering and I am I'm thinking and I'm moving through these things and it won't always be a straight line it won't always be a direct line to where I want to go but 
I will enjoy the parts where I'm slipping down a a, a muddy um, cliff edge or I'm going through a forest and I'm getting scraped by branches. And this is all just like in terms of my mind and not in the physical sense, but in the mental sense, all of the times where things are not exactly going to plan or they're not moving forward the way that I want them to. I embrace that side. And I think that's the part where people fall down when they're, you know, when they're trying to move forward to a goal is they can't take when it's, they can't, they, they don't know what to do when the, when, when, when it's not going the way they thought they would. And that's exactly the way I was. And the way that I kind of still am in certain times, I have to check myself. I have to kind of go, well, look, Connor, look, it's not going this way or that way. But like, it was like Project 32, coronavirus, absolutely chopped the head off of that. I couldn't do it. It was meant to do it on the 1st of, Jan- on the 1st of April 2020. And I couldn't do that. And it was a year's planning and a year's logistics and a, and a, a year's of work, basically, kind of basically down the swanee really you know and i had to really kind of say okay well i have to reset now and i have to think about these things and take my accountability my compassion and, and gratitude and put those to the forefront of my thought process and then when i started to do those things it just didn't become as big a deal to me i just moved forward with it and thought okay well let's let's flip the script let's flip the script let's let's think about it and we'll flip the script and we won't think about it in the way of this is a huge setback. We'll think about it as a huge opportunity because, okay, well, I was meant to do this in April. Now my April is free. You know, I'm able to, you know, and, and like people wouldn't think about it in that way, but my April is free. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to think about um, about doing the 32 marathons. That's the positive side of it. It's the negative side of it, of course, that I wasn't able to actually do it. And it was a year's planning for me to do it but it was also a positive because I'm now able to refocus my gaze on a different horizon and that's what I kind of did with it because setbacks are going to happen as I said life is so fucking random and it's so it's life can be so shit life can be so terrible sometimes but you have to be able to flip that script around and you have to be able to kind of go okay well Let's think about it in a different light. Because if we think about it all on the negative side of things, we won't be able to move forward from it. And sometimes it just starts with that. If I if I can say any small bit, bit of sub advice to anybody, because I don't really like the word advice, but I, I I'll, uh, I'll 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 say what I feel about it and my opinion on it. It starts with one positive thought. It's like if you want to start reading a book now, Colin, you say, oh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read a page. It starts with a page. You could read 50 pages, but it starts with a page, right? You need to start with that one positive thought. And it's like, fucking hell, man. Sometimes it can be really, really hard to find. Like, I, like honest to God, it can be really, really hard to find. Because shit that you want to do or shit that you want to get done in your life can just not happen and it can just not come to fruition the way that you wanted to and or things can really really badly happen um eh, along the way like a lot, a lot bad things can happen along the way and it can be really happy a really um hard to find that happy thought and to find that positive thought in it and i don't want people to be blindly positive i want them to actually say it believe it feel it in their minds and like if i if i was um like I, I had a, when I did that patio run, I ran around my patio for 24 hours. When I finished that up, 
I was injured. And like, it was very, like, oh, that's a perfect example of the three elements of the accountability, compassion and gratitude that came into my mind when I was injured. I was injured for three and a half months. I had my first pain-free, properly pain-free run in since May yesterday. And I implemented the accountability, compassion and gratitude into that thought process of not being able to run, not being able to do what I love and not being able to do what I want to do for three and a half months. I said, okay, accountability. Well, look, you took it upon yourself to run around your patio for 24 hours and you knew that that was going to carry a risk of injury and an element of injury and an element of stressing the body in a way that had never been stressed before. Correct? Yes. Okay. Well, there's no one else to blame. There's no one else to look at. It's just you. And you took that chance and it didn't, and it didn't go, it didn't have the best outcome. It injured you, right? That's the first off. Then there's the compassionate side of it when I go, okay, well, look, you had, you had the, you had the right frame of mind, the right reasons, the right motives behind doing this run. And you believed in it and you loved the idea of it. And, you said what you were going to do and you did it and you followed through and you gave an awful lot of people hope and understanding and you, you know, you shared your, the light of your life with other people and you, and you successfully did that. And that is a great thing to move forward from. But next time we'll think about ways of maybe trying to reduce the risk of that injury and maybe trying to take steps to allow us to do these things without the backlash of being three and a half, four months out of, of, um, of, of, of working and out of doing what we want to do. So well done, pat on the back. Let's learn the lessons and move forward. And that's the compassionate side. And then there's the grateful side, the gratitude side, where I'm grateful that I'm able to actually wake up in the morning swing my legs around and put the weight underneath my two feet. And that's where it starts. Like as in that I'm able to actually even get out of my own bed by myself, move down the stairs. Like this morning, just before I got on this, I went downstairs and made myself a cup of coffee. And man, I love, I love that, that I think this way that I think Jesus Christ, isn't it so great that I can get up in this lovely house and make myself a beautiful, warm cup of coffee to wake me up in the morning. And isn't that a stupendous thing for you to have in your life, Connor? And I really think about it in that way. Like, I don't do it every day and I don't do it for everything because it's inefficient. You wouldn't be able to live your life thinking like that because you'd just be so grateful about things you wouldn't get anything done. So I, 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 I do take my times where I really do sit and sit in it and settle into this gratitude. And I was grateful that I had the opportunity to run around my patio for 24 hours that my body was able to do it and that people actually cared that I was going to do it. And actually was it, you know, we raised an awful lot of money from it and that was absolutely stupendous. And I was so, so grateful that I had my father there to help me, you know, to, to crew me and to make sure that I was fed and to make sure that I was hydrated and make sure that I was wearing a hat when it was sunny and all these things and looking after me. So grateful for those aspects of it. And then, by the time you actually get through all of that, by the time you get through all of that inner dialogue, how can you feel bad? How can you feel bad about the injury you have now? 
you won't feel bad about it. You'll feel it that it's a natural occurring reality from a res- resulting from something beautiful and stupendous that you've done. And when you think about it in that way, it takes all the sting out of it, all of the bad feeling out of it. And you can't, you can't feel bad about it anymore. You're, you're like, your mind is just processing it in a different way. So if there is anybody out here now listening and they think, Jesus, um, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have said that in the meeting today or whatever the case may be, right? That's something that I often ha- ha- happened to me in work was I said the wrong thing or I did the wrong thing or I didn't send an email to somebody when I was supposed to or something like that. Anything. Let's just put take any aspect of that that might get people feeling down in work, right? First of all, the accountability side of it. Look, anything that you do or say or email you send or email you don't send or action or whatever, don't blame anybody else. And that's the first thing. Let's let's look upon it in that way. We're we're taking it upon ourselves. Look, I said it or I sent it or I didn't send the email or I didn't do the job I was supposed to do or task I was supposed to do. And I put my hand up about that. And then there's the compassionate side of it of, well, look, Connor, you forgot this time and you've been doing fantastically well. And, you know, uh, this is one slip up of, of uh, you know, many many hours and days where you haven't done that where you have sent emails and you've done this and that so what we're going to learn from here is we're going to be better at organizing so we don't you know forget to send that email or we respond to the emails quicker and we make it our duty that we're going to do that and we're going to be we're going to think through what we're going to say in the meetings or we're going to think through what we're going to say in the interviews better so you're interviewing for a job and you say something and you're like oh Shit, I shouldn't have said that. Okay, this is the perfect learning ground for you to learn these things because there's always going to be another job. There's always going to be another job. And I'll tell you straight up to anybody that thinks that there isn't going to be another job or there's not going to be this. If you left your job right now, they'd probably have someone filling in your place before the heat was gone out of your seat. And that's just the truth. And that's what ha- that's that's the truth that I was and faced with when I left my job there was literally somebody in the door the day I left and that's just it so if you think about your life being all important about this job you're 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 replaceable but it's the best freedom ever knowing that because you can never attach too much of your life and your well-being and your mental health and your to a job because you know that it's it's something that you change up so when you have that compassionate side of it you will know that, yeah, you make mistakes, but we can learn from them and move forward. And then the gratitude aspect that you actually have a job and you have you actually have a brain that people put responsibility in. They put they give you responsibility and they give you these things to do because they believe in you. And people don't people don't think about that when they do it. They think about their incompetency a lot. And I, I even feel that with, with my friends that are working these jobs and they're like, they're engineers. They're trained engineers. And they're like, I have actually got no fucking idea what I'm doing in work. And I, I, I'm talking to them and I'm like, man, they're giving you that job and they've given you that responsibility because they believe in you. So why don't you transfer the belief they have in you into yourself and give yourself that belief? Because Jesus, be grateful that somebody's given you that trust and given you that responsibility because that's going to allow you to grow in that kind of a level and having the gratitude that you're going to be able to see the 
the end of your hard work and earn yourself money so that you can live and prosper and you can move forward. So when you think about anything, any element of life in that kind of a way, it's, it's, it's very tough to see the negative side of things. And, and, it's, and it's a very, very good way of moving forward and to allow your mind to escape from that thought pattern. Because, man, I used to eat myself up. I used to eat myself up over the smallest and tiniest interactions. And I still get that tinge of it today. You don't really like lose it like in the blink of an eye that you, you overthink and overanalyze things. But what I started to do was I'm not going to be a mind reader. I'm not going to read anybody's mind and think for them and think, oh, he probably thinks I'm a fucking idiot now because of this. Or he probably thinks I'm annoying now or he thinks I'm being too loud or blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to think for anybody else. If somebody wants to say something to me, I'll leave them do it, but I'm not going to think anything. So any of these elements of life there, it's a skill, it's a skill and it's a practice and you have to practice this mindset and you have to practice these elements of it. And look, it worked for me. It might not work for everybody, but if you give it that shot, I'm pretty sure it's going to work for you. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? It's like what we talked about at the start about the evidence. You know, what evidence have we got to back this up? You know, when you were talking about your friends being engineers and having that, having that feeling. I suppose I heard people describe it as that feeling of, of feeling like an imposter or an imposter syndrome. And I hate that word. I hate that label because it feels it sounds very dramatic. But to say, look, they've hired you. They believe in your abilities. The only one that's criticizing putting you down is your own inner dialogue and your own head you know and and you said it there as well you know about being able to become your own best friend and to be able to replace that negative dialogue or not even to replace it but be able to cue us you know be able to quiet it down you know and one of the mantras that i have in my head is taken off is i am good enough regardless you know so no matter what's going down in my head that i don't listen to it and i just say i am good enough regardless yeah, you know, and about be, being able to become your own best friend. You know, I remember back in a couple of years ago, I do anything to get away from myself. You know, turn to drink. You know, anything I could do to get away from myself, having to constantly be out with friends or just constantly doing something. You know, just to get get a bit of peace again away from Column, you know and and I suppose in a way you can turn unhealthy when you're constantly trying to get away from yourself that you're kind of getting into like excessive exercise or comfort eating or you know online shopping whatever whatever form we find to try and find some form of relief that if we can just recognize actually why am I doing this to this extent am I trying to prove myself worth am I trying to make myself feel good enough you know am I, why am I seeking relief What what is the reason that I need to seek relief that if I can find that inner peace within myself that I don't need to look for an escape or look for relief in these things around me like that's asking yourself why you feel anything is one of the most rewarding questions you'll ever fucking ask like because we feel things but we don't question them we don't question why like I I remember feeling really apprehensive about and about bringing it back into my own experience about the masters that I'm starting and feeling really apprehensive about it. And then I was like, why am I feeling so, you know, apprehensive and fearful of this? Like you've gotten in and fucking fought men and, you know, you've ran 200 miles. You've done these things that like take an awful lot of like physical and mental energy to, to, to do and to manifest. Why are you so apprehensive about this, um, 
college course. Mm-hmm. And it was because I've been fighting structure since I left my job and left all the party lifestyle and all this comfortable kind of living type stuff. So when I when I left all of that, I left structure. So I feared structure without even knowing it. And that's what that's what I was facing with this master's was a structured thing where I was going to have to be here at a certain time and do these um, classes and all this kind of stuff. But if I didn't think about it in that way, it might have led me to say, no, the master's isn't for me. I don't have a good feeling about it. But if I if I realize where these thoughts and stuff like that are coming from and I ask myself the questions, man, you'll get the information. It didn't come straight away to me. It did not come straight away to me. I had to kind of think, geez, why am I feeling so mad? Like this was weeks where anytime I thought about the masters, I had this thing where I'm like, oh man, I don't know. And it was literally, and, and that could that could tell you that's not the thing to do. But it, but it is, it is the thing to do. It's, it's that, the excitement of the, uh, of the chap that decided to fill out the application first day. Where's that? Where is he? Where did he go? Because he didn't go anywhere, really. You just stuffed him away. And you thought about this structure and all of these bad elements of it. And you've, you need to think about why that scares you. And when I thought about it, man, it just made so much more sense to me. But the, the inner critic and the imposter syndrome that you're talking about there, man, is one of the most destructive things. And it's the opposite of the way that I'm living right now because I've lived for over 25 years with that mindset because I remember fighting in Thai boxing and everyone in my gym, everybody in other gyms, everybody saying, you're going to smash this guy. You're going to smash him. You're way better than him. You know, you're way fitter than him. You're, you're this, that, and the other. And me kind of going, oh man, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. But in my mind, I was like, oh man, this guy is, you know, this guy's way better than me. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be beaten. And I'd win, I'd win the fight. But it actually didn't even, it didn't even, you know, give me the evidence. Like people will will have the imposter syndrome in work and they'll do a project in work and they'll go all the way to the very, very end of this project and it'll be a success. And they still won't believe that they're good enough for the job if they have that mindset about themselves. But part of being your own best friend is also talking to yourself like you're your own best friend. And that's that's an element that I had to learn over years and over months and over and relearn it and re and and do the skill every you know and uh, uh, relearn the skill every single time and that's one of the the most negative things you can have is to have that 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 negative view of yourself and that negative chat to yourself and you're not going to lose it overnight but as i said it starts with one positive thought one positive thought about yourself or about your day or about something and and that's that's all it fucking takes and keep doing that in terms of and believing them and believing the positive thoughts but again there is evidence out there for most people if people say they're incompetent at their job there's evidence out there that they're not do you know there's evidence you you got your degree or your masters uh, or you you interviewed and there were 60 people going for three positions and you got one of them all right is that not enough evidence for you that you're good enough but we don't think about it in that way we think Jesus Christ, I was lucky to get that now. You know, I was lucky to get in there now to this. And I'm like, man, no, you're not lucky. You're not lucky. You're you're just good. You're you're good at what you're doing and you're capable. And the more you think about it in that kind of a way, the more capable you actually become. 
and the better you become because you're reinforcing your own actions through thought. And that's what that's what it is, is that you become your own best mate. You become your own cheerleader and you become your own uh, your own bandstand after a while. And I tell myself all the time, Connor, you're capable of doing whatever you want to do, man. Whatever you want to do, whatever site you set yourself. And there's certain limitations that are limited by like certain factors that I don't control at certain points. And I'm an Irish man, right? So I'm from a country of four million people. We're literally have a country the size of Manchester City, right? And that like I think Manchester and the surrounding areas has the same uh, population as the whole of Ireland, right? So I have that limitation of my 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 um my impact, right? If I allow that to be the case, which I won't, I'm thinking to myself, Connor, you can do whatever you want on a world stage. You can do these things on a world stage that no one's ever done before. And I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's I believe that because I have I, I, I look back at these things and, and now I have certain elements of evidence as well. So you four months training and you finished a 200 mile race that had one finisher before you you ran it. And you think about it in that way. I'm like, yeah, I'm my own cheerleader in that way. And people can say it's cockiness or it's, you know, overconfidence. But I'm like, no, it's me telling myself the evidence that, that I will then use as fodder for belief in myself. And that's that's the thing that people need to do is think back at all the fucking great things you've done. And they might not seem like they're great things. People go, oh, yeah, I got a master's in this. You got a fucking master's. Just because loads of other people have masters does not take away from the fact that you went out and you did not need to do it. You had absolutely no need to do it. You took it upon yourself to get out of the comfort zone and put yourself into the depths of academia and into education and get that masters. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Think about the mindset and the person that does something like that. It's some somebody that in some element or some way believes in themselves and believes that they're great and believes that they can do great things. But we need to keep that in the forefront, not in the subconscious, not in the rear of our mind. We need to keep that in the forefront of our mind. We need to believe in the power that we hold inside in ourselves. And when we believe in that man, oh my God, the stuff that you can do and the stuff that I'm seeing myself do and manifest in life. It's just been, it's just been because I literally wake up every day and I'm waking up next to my own best mate. And that's me. And literally I, it took me years to manifest that to happen. And I didn't need any, I didn't need the alcohol anymore. I didn't need cigarettes. I didn't need chatting up women in the club. I didn't need Tinder. I didn't need any of these things that we use, man as an escape or we use as a, as a, uh, like a, a, a validation measure sometimes. Cause I definitely used certain aspects of life as validations for my own self-worth. I don't need that now. I am my own validation. And that's the thing that I, I say to people, it starts with one positive thought and allow that to snowball and allow it to, allow it to even sometimes get out of control. Like I am literally, when I was running on my, on my patio, I was screaming and shouting to myself on my patio, 16, 17 hours into that run, I was like, I am a fucking machine, I am a beast, I am going to keep going, there's one foot in front of the other, and that is it, a hurricane could come onto this patio, and I am, and it's not going to knock me off this patio, I am an absolute machine, and I have, I am driven by my will and this element of excellence inside myself, and believe in myself to the absolute hilt, and when I start talking to myself like that, there is nothing. 
there is absolutely nothing that will stand in my way of of achieving the way that I want to go. But it starts with that. It starts with that one thought about yourself that's good and one thought about your life or your day that's good. And it just rolls forward, man. Connor, that is beautiful, man. And it's so true as well, you know, that the only limits that we have are the ones that we put on ourselves, you know, and that, that inner critic that we have. And, you know, just to believe, to be able to believe, and you know and the, the things like when I'm thinking going for a run on my own you know I find when I'm on my own when I'm with myself like you know you do start to enjoy your own company but as you said it can take a bit of work to I suppose change that inner dialogue we are having negative thoughts and one thing that helped me was when I started journaling when I started writing down the fears or or the negativity or the the, the, the them the inner dialogue that was kept coming back and the patterns and writing it down on paper and saying right I don't feel good enough in the job that I'm doing what why what evidence have I got to back this up and when I started to break it down I was like well they they hired me after the interview you know no one has ever questioned my ability here you know I'm showing up every day you know this is just an inner an inner this is just my mind, you know, and I'm a part of our mind, I suppose it's a, it's a primal survival tool is that we look for problems and we try and find problems. And a lot of the time there's no problems there, but our heads are just trying to make them out of nowhere. Like, you know what I mean? And when I was able to realize that I was able to say, yeah, that's just a lot, a lot of crap. Like, you know, I'm not going to sink yeah. into that. I'm not like, going to listen to that. I'm not going to let that leave my life man, anymore. Because we were designed you know? to troubleshoot problems. You know what I mean? Like, we were designed to go, okay, well, if I go out here, the weather might be bad, or uh, I might get caught out, or there could be a predator that could, you know, that could cause me harm, and all of these things. We're designed to look at that element of life, but we transfer it into elements of life that don't require that type of thought process, you know, and that's that's where it leads to, to you know, negative thoughts about things. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Oh, lad, I finish on this. You're, you're a fellow sea dipper. With my mates Tell me, what's and, uh, the we sea dipper? And I, um, I uh, uh, actually had to get back into the water. I was, uh, I was in the water, and I got out. And what I always do, um, you know yourself, no column from from this. Like you know, when when you are in the water for a good period of time, you can you can shiver and natter a bit because the warm water, the warm blood is mixing with the cold blood. So I always like I'd be jogging up and down the the beach, like squeezing my hands and like kind of the squeezing motion and like moving my arms all over the place to make sure that the blood kind of mixes properly and that I'm not shivering and nattering when I get into the car. I was doing that and I just goes, nah, fuck this. I just went straight back into the water and just got 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 into the water. It's like it's like a fifteen minute meditation therapy session um it's like a, a hug from your parents it's like all of those things in one where i just get into the water man and i just i literally just i'm i'm literally thinking all i'm thinking about is i am in this water and i am so calm so and then 
there's other days where I get into the water and I feel like Poseidon like energy. I feel like I'm pulsating with the waves of the ocean and I'm screaming, I'm shouting and screaming. Like, and people are like, you know, the, the lads that go for dips with me, like people are thinking you're insane. Like, cause I am screaming and shouting because I'm like, yeah, I need this energy release. Cause I'm actually after, t- I'm actually like after plugging myself into the wall socket there now and getting energy from the ocean. And it's just got so many different uses for me. But anybody that listened to this is like, ah, no, it's like it's too cold or it's too salty and I don't want to get salt water in my mouth or in my nose or I don't want to get cold or whatever the case may be. All of those things are just absolutely minute in the bigger picture. And the bigger picture of it is having that healthy um, feeling and pulse going through your body, man. And that's what it gives me is this is it's kind of an almost element. And do you know what, actually, uh, column like just to kind of like create an, an even more kind of realistic and human kind of idea about myself because I um with the marathons and all these kind of things I don't want to separate myself from people so much that they can't you know see anything you know of themselves in me man I, I really when I got back from that trip around the country there was that kind of element of a lull you know and that element of a hollowness and I, I said to myself it was like late it was late in the evening it was about half eight quarter to nine I said I'm going for a sunrise dip I'm going for a sunrise dip and it's like man sometimes it's just a it's just a way to kind of you know refocus reset yourself into a kind of a a, a thought process and to you know just to gain back some semblance of who I am and 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 that's down to you know that's the the very very essence of it you know yeah man that's that's a bit it's amazing. It actually is amazing, man. Like how I suppose I'm so lucky that I stumbled upon the sea. I think it was just over a year ago, and I've been getting in every day, nearly every day. And man, just how healing. And as you said, it just makes you intensely present when you get in the sea. That's all you know. It's just you're in the sea. You're feeling the water around you. You know, you're feeling just that nature hitting you, and it's beautiful. I love what you said there. It's like a form of yeah, meditating and getting sure. it. A hug off your parents at the same time, man. That's a beautiful way to describe it. It is. It's so it's so fucking healing. Like it's just have the little little simple things, man. That's what it is. If we care for our, our, our I suppose our genuine needs rather than our artificial Absolutely, needs, you know, the, the rewards are endless, you know, and the sea is always there, it's not going anywhere. You know, it's absolutely beautiful. Right, Conman, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, man. I've got so much out of this podcast personally, man. It was it was magic, you know, and I absolutely Cheers, love it. Right, Conman, thanks a million for coming on and having the chats, man. Thanks. Really appreciate Please. it. Don't forget the happy thoughts. All you need is happy thoughts. The past tense, past bedtime. Way back then when everything we read was real and everything we said rhymed. Why'd I kids being kids? Why did you stop? What did you do to your hair? Where did you go to end up right back here? When did you start to forget how to fly? Taste like chips, taste like chips, taste like chips.